I'm starting to think that OnePlus has a strategy with this Nord device. I'm starting to... I mean, it's not quite a conspiracy or anything. Okay. I'm starting to think that these brands, they... they they put little, you know, they put these little hints out kind of uh, on schedule, kind of on purpose, building hype. We have seen the OnePlus Nord and an event hasn't even taken place yet. <clears throat> and that's because of their content strategy. I feel like they want to keep it in the news. They want to keep it on this show mm -hmm. because here I am talking about the OnePlus Nord again. And the best way to do that, Will, it appears the strategy in 2020, you want to launch anything, you let a little bit out at a time. A slow trickle. It's a trickle effect. Mm. And it's been like that with the PlayStation. It's like, it's been like that with the, I mean, we were talking about a leak that showed up on the Samsung website for the next generation Note series. We were talking about that, about that on the previous episode. Mm. So it starts to feel intentional if you're like us and you really keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. But it works. Because the, the human hype train works that way. You yeah. learn a little bit at a time. It doesn't reveal the whole thing. You get yourself all uh, primed and ready to go. Primed and ready. Uh, so this is the OnePlus Nord. It's a tiny little glimpse in their latest upload on this Instagram page, which appears to be the central uh, focus point for the promotion of this upcoming device. And if you head to the Android Authority article here, you'll see... That that's, that's the image, that's the view you get. It's very minimal. However, it is odd to reveal it in this way because so many people are ready to go and we get this kind of strange side profile and we also get a big forehead and chin because the individual uh, in the promotional video is using the front-facing camera mm -hmm. or broadcasting live, mm -hmm. by the way. The video, very stylish. I don't know if you watched it, Will. Uh, uh, OnePlus is really going for a, a a new age kind of look. They want a new look and feel for this Nord brand. And it's kind of an abstract, artistic, timely type of video. Mm -hmm. There's poetry going on. Crowds. I mean, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what they're trying to tell you here. I guess that's the case. I mean, that's why it's artistic. Yeah. You can't really pinpoint what their what their point is, but they want to be cool. They want to be young. They're showing social media statistics flying up. That's what happens. You get to OnePlus Nord and you start flying yourself. So anyway, that's that's the latest glimpse. OnePlus has been slowly trickling out details about the OnePlus Nord, the company's second stab at cracking the mid-range market. We know the name. We know the processor now at this point, the Snapdragon 765G, and a ballpark price. What are they saying is the current ballpark price at this point? It's official. It will be below $500. Okay, okay. That's, I guess that's ballpark. Although I had heard as low as 300. So does that mean it's going to be 400? It's probably going to be 400 then. Might. We'll see. Maybe there's more than one model. Time will tell. Two front-facing cameras focused uh, on the selfie takers out there in the world that are going to want to catch those different angles. The side of the device that has been leaked that we have in these images, I know it's leaked. Can you even call it a leak when they put it in their own promotional materials? I don't know. But it kind of looks like the OnePlus... Uh, eight regular edition from the side, in my opinion. It's also, of course, we can once again see that tealish, reflective, metallic color to it. And then this also shows those two front-facing cameras in the pill shape front-facing cutout that you can witness there. OnePlus Nord ever closer. Oh, there's one more image, Will. If you if you go to the end there, scroll that article a little bit further, they have caught the freeze frame heading into the pocket. Mm. That's your big, that's your big shot right there. And then look at the color of the pants yeah. on that pocket as well. It's all very flashy. I th I'm pretty sure if you pick this up, Will, you're gonna be a very stylish guy. With the pants as well. You're gonna have to do the whole the whole thing with the belt. Look at the size of that belt. Wow. So, anyways, yeah, this is the new strategy. OnePlus is taking it. We're gonna see other manufacturers take it. It's the cool new thing. Leak your own product. Hmm. I mean, they've been doing it, but now they're not even trying to act like they're not. Right. Leak your own product.
Speaking of new OnePlus products, they put out a, a new TV kind of quietly. You might not have seen the event. You were watching the event. You were curious. Mm -hmm. uh, the big news here, if there is any, is the price point starting at $175 USD equivalent. Granted, I don't even think this thing launched in the US. Pretty sure it's specific to the Indian yeah. market for the time being. We'll see if that changes anytime soon. Uh, of course, the important or interesting part here is the fact that it's a focus on Google's Android TV and working towards uh, a smarter TV experience, a more stylish TV interface, um, something more in line with what you're getting on Android, but on the TV. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for the most part, some of these UIs on TVs, it's a little... I'm not too happy about it. Yeah. yeah. But they have gotten better in, in recent years. And of course, uh, OnePlus wants to take a crack on crack at it. They have experience manipulating Android to a certain extent with the their OS, their skin that they put on, their minimal skin that they put on top of Android in their phones. So it is it is uh, kind of interesting to see what they do in in the in the TV space on a on a different form factor. But if they bring some of that same ethic, you you would you might assume that it could be uh, something nice, and particularly if it's affordable. However, you pointed this out before the show started that their 55-inch model, granted it is going to be 4K, is not really that inexpensive. Around a thousand bucks Canadian equivalent. We've got a lot of different currencies at play here. We got Canadian, U.S. But their 32-inch model is going to be your 175, uh, $175 model. Granted, it's a 720p TV. It's a bit, I can't, it's hard to get excited about that in 2020. The 43-inch model will be 1080p, and then the 55-inch model will be 4K. Uh, this is a growing market for them. They want to get into this other uh, line of consumer electronics, and it's, of course, a growing market in India the TV market as well. They have a pretty cool looking remote with what looks like a Google Assistant button, a dedicated Netflix button. The top of the line model is gonna be running a MediaTek processor, three gigs RAM, 16 gigs storage, and then the cheaper models are gonna to toggle that back a little bit, a gigabyte of RAM and eight gigs of storage. And this article doesn't mention the processor that's in the cheaper models. These are on pre-order right now. They've got some carbon fiber trim on there, Will. I know that's the type of thing that'll get you going. Is it real carbon fiber? I don't think it's real carbon. I think it's sort of like a carbon fiber look like. Oh, okay. But I mean, you it's know, good enough. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. How do you differentiate a TV? It's a, it's a, it's a rectangle with a limited. You want the smallest bezel possible. Where do you insert personality? Yeah. And with maybe just within the interface for the most part, yeah. but they fit some carbon fiber in there. So there you have it. It's not just. It's not just uh, smartphones from OnePlus. The TV thing, they appear to be committed. They've been in it for a little bit now. They're continuing down that path. Uh, I should also mention Dolby Atmos and a 30-watt sound system inside of the bigger model, the 4K model, the expensive model. The other one's going to have a... The smaller ones will have 10-watt speaker system in there. Apple is still working on that under-display uh, Touch ID reader. So... They're not completely committed to the exclusive face unlock, face ID scenario. And this is evidence because of some of the patent filings that they're working on. There's been tons of rumors about Apple coming back to Touch ID on a modern device. We saw Touch ID make a comeback in the form of the new SE. Mm -hmm. But of course, people were thinking, what would that look like in a flagship model? What would, what would that look like as a, as a substitute or an alternative to face unlock? which is what everyone's using on the Apple flagship stuff right now. Well, in order to protect this aggressive screen-to-body thing that everybody's going for on modern smartphones, it's going to have to be in display. And the rumor there is that Apple just hasn't been satisfied with the technology the way that it is today for in-display unlock. And so they've patented a couple of, a couple of different versions of, how, of their take on in-display fingerprint scanners. And one of those patents, Optical Fingerprint Detection System, details a method of temperature compensation in an apparent effort to combat the effects of temperature on OLED-based systems. This patent describes a method to compensate for differences in temp temperature between signals. It's like it's obviously very technical stuff in terms of patent filings, but it, it, it is some, uh, some high-profile engineers at Apple that are working on these patents. And... 
I mean, they Apple took a slightly different approach even when it came to the face unlock with the the number of systems that they were able to slam and cram into Face ID in an effort to make it more secure than the optical solutions that were out there just strictly based on image recognition. Yeah. Who knows what they want to do with fingerprint? Who knows when they would determine, okay, it's ready for prime time. But I do believe based on this information and just intuition, my my speculation is that they're gonna, they should do something in that space. Mm-hmm. Because the ultimate scenario is some form of fingerprint unlock in conjunction with a face unlock, in my opinion. And when I do have both versions enabled on other devices, I find myself, depending on the situation, using one or the other. This also, this technology and whatever learning they're going to be able to do through this engineering could lead to a better understanding of how to transmit through OLED panels, which could have an impact on shrinking or making their current notch invisible as well. Mm. So there's a lot to be learned here. This could lead not only to Touch ID making its way into future flagship Apple products, but also maybe getting rid of that notch. Mm. Exciting times for Apple users. Hopefully they see that that sooner than later. Uh, Speaking of innovative things happening in the smartphone market, this this rollable thing, rollable smartphone, we've talked about it a little bit in the past. As an alternative to the folding thing, which has been cool, but I don't know how much it's really taken off. I mean, you're not seeing it in the street so much. It's still a little bit of a fringe, a little bit of a premium thing. We've only seen it at those premium price tags as well. Well, LG wants to change that by going for a rollable approach to that next gen- generation Form factor. LG not hasn't been doing that great in a smartphone game. All right, I'm not breaking news with that. And if you scroll down a little bit here, LG's mobile business has posted 20 straight quarters of loss so far. Wow. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't care what business you're in, Will. That's uh, well, that's not going to be a good look. Mm-hmm. You can imagine if uh, if the uh, Lou later broadcast posted 20 straight quarters of loss. Might have to shut the thing down. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but they they want to turn that around by thinking about form factors that no one else is thinking about. And I don't know if you remember this, but they were the first ones to show off flexible displays. I was there. I was in Vegas. I don't remember if you were there that year in CES when they had the the rollable. It was it was a no one knew how we were going to even use it back then. Oh, I remember I made a video about it way back in the day. We didn't know how we were going to use it. We just knew that it was interesting technology, the ability to roll and fold these displays. They didn't even know how they were going to power it back then. Well, LG hasn't been all that interested for the time being in the foldable stuff, but they think they may have a play on a rollable thing, and they're going to call it B Project, named after the company CEO. His last name starts with a B. And they're also apparently going to target a price point around $800 is what I've read. So maybe it doesn't have to be some super premium thing. And they claim there's some advantage over rolling these displays in order to get a bigger smartphone work surface. They claim it could be a, a stronger thing to tap on and maybe more, maybe more durable. They're working on a prototype right now. And this new flagship is set to be launched in the first half of 2021 current code name rainbow could this be the thing to turn them around completely well is this uh, exactly what the world has been waiting for never mind folding we need rolling smartphones it just might be wow endorsement from willie do i have to say if i was working on this project and i saw that type of endorsement that would give me a little extra motivation to put it out yeah Google Assistant continues to best Siri, even with iOS 14 improvements. So there were some words with the uh, launch or the the uh, event around iOS 14 that there were going to be Siri improvements, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard that. And there was obviously the difference in how Siri operates, which they showcase. It's a little bit less intrusive, a little, little, little icon down there, thinking the little glowing Siri icon down there at the bottom of the smartphone. 
So no one really knew exactly what all these improvements were going to be, but this guy on YouTube, who it was later covered by 9to5Google, what is his, his channel name? We got to give him a shout out because I watched almost all of this video. His channel name is In-Depth. In-Depth Tech Reviews. How about that for a name? Well, Very you know you're going to go in-depth there. 13 minutes and 52 seconds on Siri uh, in iOS 14 versus the new Google Assistant. Well, anyways, it's pretty predictable what happens. I think you can guess what happens in this video, Will. First of all, because of the fact that it was posted on 9to5Google, uh, Google Assistant crushes. It crushes Siri. And I can't say I'm surprised. I'm a, I'm a Google Assistant user myself. I'm a big Google Assistant fan. And it just has a leg up on Siri for the time being. I know Apple has worked hard in an attempt to change that. And it's not a complete landslide. There are a couple moments in this video where Siri does some cool things, like read actual emails out. Mm. But Assistant is just flying in this video. Mm. It's In most cases, it's almost twice as fast. It feels more fluid. And you can check it out for yourself to get a better idea of those differences. But I have to say, just in my experience, I've become increasingly an Assistant user. And almost in a quiet way, where I've just noticed that I'm using it more often and i think a big part of that is speed i think if you have to wait a little bit for the thing to happen and you feel somewhere in your mind that you could achieve the thing or do the task more quickly just by tapping around as you normally would huh. then you don't go back to the to the assistant version again because you just think ah it's a bit slow mm -hmm. so those Small differences do make a, a difference in your adoption pattern. And Google probably knows this, which is why they've worked so much on speed. And it looks like Apple still has some work to do because there are many, many things that Siri can do that it just takes longer to do. Mm. And it asks more times, are you sure you want to do that exactly like that? And you say, yes. And it's that kind of stuff that's a turnoff. I don't know yes. about you, Will, but that turns me right off. Yeah, it, it does. Are you a big assistant guy? Uh, I use it all the time for reminders. Use it all the time. Because I'm very forgetful. Yeah. Well, one thing I also notice, and this is completely anecdotal, but there seems to be a sentiment just in the general public, out in the world, that just don't use Siri that much, you know, or even turn it off. I mean, it even lets you during the setup turn it off completely. And I have plenty of relatives who like iOS, use iPhones, and still won't boot up Siri. They'll be like, you know, resistant to the idea of using Siri. For whatever reason, that brand just hasn't taken off maybe the way that Apple had hoped. And I mean, they're still digging their heels and they're still going for it. But it, it certainly seems at this point that this is more Google's wheelhouse, the idea of a digital assistant. So we'll see where it maps out. I'm not saying that it can't change. I'm not saying there aren't things that Apple does well or better. It just feels like this one right here, that those Google engineers will, hmm. those data data guys and girls, you know, it's just, that's right, that's their focus. Yeah. Anyway, check out the video. It's actually, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how the two assistants behave differently. Zoom, you heard of this uh, this new uh, new app? Everybody loves this Zoom app. I like the backgrounds. Kind of cool. You get the fancy backgrounds. You're uh, you're doing the conferencing. You're uh, you're uh, people are taking their classes on Zoom. Yep. It's a uh, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are fed up. They're sick of Zoom. What do you think about it? I mean, it's a utility. It it, it, it serves a purpose. It solved the problem with everybody being trapped at home. Mm -hmm. It seems like a thing that should exist. You should be able to hop on a call with a bunch of people, but in reality, it doesn't. My experience with it is it doesn't, it's still not a substitute for the real thing. Everyone has to wait yes. their turn to talk and the uh, audio quality and lighting and the difference. I mean, it's, it's imperfect. I, I don't know. That's not really to say much about the product itself. More, what are the limitations of video conferencing? This whole lockdown thing kind of really opened my eyes to the fact that we have gamers out there with the, with the no latency crazy ping, amazing experience on online gaming. You boot up Warzone and shoot a guy halfway across the world and it's all instantaneous. 
And then I hop on a Zoom and somebody's got the like pixelated uh, garburator type audio. Their head is a pixel. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. you're saying that thinking, wait, isn't shouldn't video conferencing in 2020 be a little bit more uh, sophisticated? Isn't that a... I, I go back and watch the clip from Space Odyssey 2001 and the guy's having a video conference with his daughter in 1960 whenever that movie came out and their projection of the future it's a perfect video feed mm -hmm. and for some reason like this is this is similar to the thing where apple keeps putting terrible webcams in their laptops why is this why do we not care more about video conferencing quality and why does it have to be so terrible well anyways nonetheless India's richest man is prepared to take on Zoom himself. This is the guy with the geofiber. This is the guy uh, trying to get the gigabit everywhere. And, uh, well, he's become wealthy because of it. You can probably tell. That's how you, get, that's, that's, that's how you become the richest man. Mm -hmm. you, you try to deliver fiber, Will, and people will be a big fan of you. And I'm sure he's done plenty more, but he's got a new product. It's called GeoMeet which of course goes up against Google Meet as well as Zoom. It's going to offer unlimited free calls in high definition 720p. And it's gonna support as many, as many as 100 participants on a call. Wow. That's a few participants, holy moly. I mean, what kind of work is getting done there? And here's the crazy part. No, no, I don't know about the other platforms because I never tested it, but there's no time limit on the call duration. You should be able to have a call, uninterrupted call for up to 24 hours. What kind of, what are you doing? What is this call? That's a marathon call, 24 hours. Yeah. Really, you must really miss somebody 24 hours in. It's live stream. I can't, I can't handle anybody for 20. I can't handle a 10 minute call. I'm getting stressed out. Mm -hmm. 24 hours. Uh, I can, it must be useful to somebody. Anyways, uh, so they're putting out this geo meet. It doesn't look like they're going to want to charge any money for it. And here's an interesting, here's an interesting part of it. There's going to be a safe driving mode. For when a participant is in commute. Hmm. So you hop on the call in the commute, Will. Oh, okay. You got a bit of a commute right now. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty long. So imagine hour. you could be on uh GeoMeet. I mean, it's not too bad. Keep me company during the car ride. Who are you gonna call though? In the car. What are we gonna do? Have a meeting? I mean Otis, Okay, fine. You know. We'll have a meeting. Starting tomorrow. Well, GeoMeet is not even available to us, I don't think. It's crazy how this whole marketplace has exploded. It's like no one was saying Zoom, and then the lockdown happened, and Zoom became a whole meme. It became a whole... Yeah. Everybody knew overnight. Zoom is currently the most popular video conference service, not just here, but in India as well. On Android alone, 35 million monthly active users in the third week of June. Wow. Holy moly. Up from 4 million users during the same period in March. Look at that increase. No wonder you want to get into that business. Holy users. Uh, App Annie data, of which an industry executive shared with TechCrunch, Android actually powers 99% of smartphones in India. Wow. That goes to show you how little market penetration iOS has in India. 99% of mobile devices smartphones are powered by android over there so anyways there's obviously a huge market here he's getting involved will it displace zoom we shall see it's gonna have to be better i guess do you have your eye on this surface duo at all will are you interested in this thing at all um yeah it's like kind of like a notebook but it has two screens yeah yeah i've been uh Obviously, this thing, this concept has existed dating back to the Microsoft Courier, which feels like a billion years ago. It really feels like a long, long time ago when that thing, Courier. you remember that thing? No. The person on the subway was using it, and it was before, it was, I mean, maybe you can find out what year it was. I see 2009 people talking about it. Really innovative design at the time to, to replace laptops, really. And you could sketch on it. And it just never obviously came to be. However, this is kind of the duo thing reminded me of it from the moment I had seen it. 
So Microsoft never gave up on it. It just took a while. And they shrunk it in the case of the Surface Duo. And it's sort of more of a phone replacement now than a laptop. But it's just, it's an interesting device because it's a whole new form factor that we're really not familiar with. And it's a different take on the idea of the foldable because the foldables we see right now have to fold the screen itself. And it's a little bit weird at the moment, that whole thing, because you can end up with uh, the crease that everyone wants to ask about, and there's durability questions, and the Galaxy Fold had the whole dust conversation. Well, of course, Microsoft said, we are going to do something different. We'll do two screens with a hinge in the middle, and the whole thing's going to flip and flap, and it's going to be a great time. Mm. That one you're looking at is the Neo, right? This is the Neo. Yeah, that there we go. That's the duo right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. The music. Oh, wow. Look at that. So anyways, the reason I'm bringing it up again, because obviously the, the event kind of covered everything. It, it took place a while ago at this point, the introduction to it. But Panos Panay has been loving this thing. He's being pictured multiple times uh, using the thing. Well, I'm, I mean, I guess you would love it if you were him kind of imperative that you love it he's got the thumbs up although some people were questioning the caliber of this photo saying "Uh uh-oh if somebody shot that on another duo we're we're worried about the photo quality we're dead yeah but i tend to think maybe somebody just had a smudge on the lens in this photo Uh i can't really tell anyway he's holding the surface duo here and people noted that uh it looks a little different in this image than it did previously it has a kind of ridge around the outside and so people had to decode exactly what was going on. And it turns out that it's wearing some kind of special case to keep the device safe. A custom oh, nice. engineered bumper sort of thing, maybe. I don't know if it will ship with this thing included or if it will be an accessory. But it looks to provide some degree of protection. Just a quick reminder, because this device is coming up fairly soon. Specs. Uh, it's, it's interesting because the specs are going to be a little bit older at the time that it eventually launches but they said they're going to update it it's going to have a snapdragon 855 6 gigs of ram 64 or 2 or 256 of storage 11 megapixel camera inside of the device and two amoled 5.6 inch displays at 1800 by 1350 it's also going to have a fingerprint reader and a 3460 milliamp hour battery it's only going to have it's going to have Android 10 at the time it launches with a Microsoft launcher as the UI. It'll be really interesting to see Microsoft's interpretation of Android, how they want Android to look because they tried to do their a mobile OS at one point. They've tried all kinds of different things and now they're building something on top of Android. Are they going to go overboard? Is it going to be minimal? I'm curious to see it. What's interesting though is the spec sheet isn't really all that premium by the smartphone standard of right now and so you start to question the eventual price of the thing particularly since the other foldable devices have been targeted really at that premium segment flagship segment but but in this case you've got two 5.6 inch amoled displays so that's that makes this completely different as well i think the real exciting part for me isn't going to be necessarily to stack this up directly against other smartphones but just to start to think about the device in my pocket differently Mm -hmm. and to examine whether or not there's any opportunity for it to shift or change the last time that happened of course was with the galaxy fold and so i'm curious to see this implementation if if it can achieve that thing because that's what they're all aiming at is potentially delivering the next phase the maybe the the beyond just a smartphone but it is going to be weird because you kind of got to wrap your head around the idea that it's just the form factor is not really a phone as you know it and love it right now you got to open the thing up to do everything and that's what i ended up doing with the fold to be honest i never used that little screen on the outside i just opened it up for everything because i didn't want to use that little screen so i don't know Time will tell, but certainly for media consumption and stuff, like a little book, it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little book, a little notebook a- action in there. Uh, Samsung is selling a wireless charger that will also sterilize your phone. Hmm. This article kind of messed me up a little bit because I was like, oh, 
that's going to be a Samsung branded charger. But then you read it a little little further, and it's actually some kind of Samsung partner. They sell it on their website. It's a company called ItFit, and it's just like sort of approved by them. It's it's, it's their go to. It's the one that they're retailing in certain regions. And it's the same concept as the phone soap thing that we featured. Uh, well, I guess it's a little while ago now. UVC is some powerful stuff, man. It can really kill some bad stuff. So that's good. <laughs> and it can do so without some of the downsides of the traditional methods that you clean something. Like if you're using wipes, you got to throw them all out and buy them and do it relatively frequently and remember to do it. What I kind of like of, about these setups is it's also where you charge your phone. So this one actually has a wireless charger built into it. Mm -hmm. And so you can just drop it in there at night, close the lid, and wake up in the morning with a fully charged phone and a fully clean phone and really don't think about doing anything extra. Because your phone is disgusting, as we've talked about before. It's the Very reason much that, so, yes. The reason that these things, yours especially. Well. And the reason that companies are... are uh, expanding their portfolio for in order to include devices like this. So this one claims it can kill up to 99% of bacteria within 10 minutes. And they're not the only ones. Samsung has said that this one is this one will be perfect for your S20 Ultra, but also uh, Zag, Invisible Shield, and Mophie are also, they're working on their own their own versions of this thing as well. The Mophie UV sanitizer has room for a 6.9 inch device. And it can also sterilize objects like credit cards and earbuds. Well, any of these can do that. So there's like, this is an emerging area of the market. I still don't know if people are prepared to pay the price because for the most part, these things land between 50 and $100. Right. And is it worth it to people? And I, I've also heard the argument that, well, what happens? I mean, you're using it all day and then it's nasty again. Yeah. But I think the idea here is just to do, you're doing something. Yeah. What? But what about damage to the phone? What type it's basically of like a tanning bed for your phone. So will it disrupt? You worry like about your phone getting a tan screen? there, Will? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah, maybe you're saying like long term, who's done the testing? I mean, yeah, if you're charging. Well, if you're the, doing the phone soap stuff's been out for a while. I presume people have been using it for a period of time. But maybe mm -hmm. you're right. Maybe at a certain point, there's some sort of a issue that could arise. But Everything I've read to this point seems to imply that the dangers of UVC are mostly to humans and less so to objects, whether it's boxes like the robot that we were talking about previously or phones for that matter. I think they're okay. But anyway, Samsung's retailing one. They believe in it. More people believe in it. I guess do something. Clean your phone somehow because it's disgusting. Ubisoft launched... A new game, kind of quietly. I told you about this this morning. You're like, what are you talking about, Lou? I know about games. You're going to tell me about a new game? You were very upset. It's called Hyperspace, and it's a battle royale game. And I got to admit, I hopped on Twitch. I got to admit, I hopped on Twitch. Okay. And I booted up a couple streams of this game, and it looked, it kind of got me going. Got you riled up? It might have. I might have been riled up because... You know I like future the futuristic look. Look, first of all, look at this guy in the photo. Mm -hmm. So you know I like the futuristic look. Obviously, everything's about battle royale right now, and it's fast. The gameplay is just you're jumping around. People are they're not quite flying, but there's these massive jumps, and there's these boosts and speed that you can move kind of in every any direction with. And other than that, we were trying to pin it. What is it most like? Well, it's a battle royale, so it goes into that category of games, but it's not quite, it's definitely not Fortnite. It's obviously not Warzone. We were thinking it's sort of close to Apex. Uh huh. But then the weapons and the kind of fantasy element feels more like uh, Overwatch. Yes. But that's not a battle royale game. So it's a real um, a mashup of, of these things. But I'm most excited for the action, the fighting mechanics, and the futuristic vibe. That's where my angle goes. Now, of course, this is a they've, they've got some kind of interesting approach. Much like we were talking about OnePlus off the top of the show. Mm. You kind of strategic, strategically leak the thing a little. You drip it. Not leak it. That's the new word. You drip it. Because it's intentional. 
Yeah. It didn't get out by accident. You just dripped a little piece of it. So they partner up with certain streamers. I believe uh, Tifu was one of the first people to be streaming it. I think it was this morning. And he had like 50,000 uh, viewers, according to this article. And I was watching a couple of other streamers. So you select, you get the little groundswell going. Valorant did something similar. And then people really want it. And they all sign up. And then they get the, the game at a later date. So some people are playing it right now. You, I guess the general public can't get it right now. But it looks promising. It could be the next big Battle Royale hit. What do you think, Will? Does it have what it takes? Ubisoft behind it? They're fairly, They're kind of a big developer. Yeah, they're backed by a good company. Um, it looks promising. It's based on uh, the screenshots. And some you're you're going to give it a shot? Mm -hmm. Okay, very well. Uh, this next one, you can't give it a shot. Even though you might want to. This, uh, this video emerged on Twitter. This crazy video, dude. This wild video. Of uh, this... Uh, this thing was supposed to be open. It's not open yet for okay. uh, for a number of reasons. Super Nintendo World in Japan. And this is like an amusement park. But it looks... It, it, I, I, don't, I hope I can explain this to people properly. It doesn't look like an amusement park. It looks like a video game. They've done such a great job of the movement of the things in the... In the, in the, the mechanical movement of these things that it looks... Fake to your eyes. There's a guy filming a video about it. He put it on Twitter, and that and people picked up that video, started to write articles about it. This thing was ready to go, was supposed to open. They can't open because of lockdown situation. And so this is our glimpse at it. And I just man, they nailed it. It's so Super Mario. It's such a surreal experience. It looks like you're in a video game. Yeah. We were talking about like how there's no like reflections on the surfaces that's why it looks so fake Everything i didn't think it's flat i didn't believe like the clip the game. i had to ask you i didn't believe the clip i had to say will is this real what's going on here <laughs> yeah it's uh, i don't know how impressive. they made everything so mad what kind of you know what did they plaster everything with look at those coins moving man how and did he, this guy like did he climb up a building and take a I don't know spy video. it's a good question how he got this spy video but there are aerial photos of the theme park which have been published as well a lot of people were waiting for it and unfortunately they can't go they can't go experience it but that clip has like 300,000 views so obviously people are interested and it's not a huge theme park right it's not a Disney World scale theme park mm -hmm. but for the they have packed so much stuff into there and the look of it is so cool uh, I, I, I can't wait to see more video emerge of it because I'm really curious to see what it looks like right on the ground level. Yeah. This is the overhead shot Will can show you there. In a, in a, over in a city corner, just jammed in there. Real life Super Mario World. Really cool. Anyways, it'll open one day. But in the meantime, it's going to be one of those quiet, abandoned... You know how people like to tour those abandoned theme parks? Yeah. This one's abandoned, but it was never inhabited. It was never occupied. It's a very sad feeling. It's kind of weird right now, but people will get in there one day. They just got to keep it pristine. They got to just yeah. go in there and wipe things down and keep it polished up and ready to go. And all the more reason to go to Japan. Oh, yeah. That's mm -hmm. right. You keep telling me I got to go to Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Walmart is going to turn parking lots into makeshift drive-in movie theaters this summer. That's a genius move. Hmm. That's a, that's a, I mean, people started telling me here locally, oh, the, these drive-ins opened up. You got to go to these drive-ins. The movie theater we talked about is, when does a movie theater come back, man? Yeah. Considering the state of things right now, the movie theater is under attack from all angles. Mm -hmm. The drive-in, this old-fashioned, good old, good old-fashioned time. You roll up in your car, comfort of your car. You have your family members, you have your friends, whatever you have. Mm-hmm. You love yourself. You go by yourself. I don't care. And you get the big screen outdoors and you enjoy yourself. I used to do it as a kid. Is that crazy? You've been. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. With the sunset sometimes and then you just... It's a whole thing, a isn't it? It's a car. very unique feeling and experience. And uh, so now is the perfect time to bring it back. And, you know, I have such an optimistic feeling I have from this. I have a real positive feeling because of this. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because... 
this is human ingenuity here. Now, I'm not trying to give Walmart credit. I'm just talking drive-in theaters in general. You have one thing go one way, and then people say, oh, you know what? We can do this other thing. I just, you just love to see it, don't you? Yeah, optimism. People find a way, don't they? Mm-hmm. And you say, we can't go to the movie theater. Okay, it's in our cars. No problem. We'll, we'll do the drive-in thing over again. And maybe, and, and that's what drive-ins needed because drive-ins were on a way out. Yeah. They could barely survive. So anyways, speaking of that, some people criticize this because they say, what about the local drive-in? Walmart's <laughs> about to put them out yeah. of business. As Walmart was. Well, they, that's what yeah. They're in the business of putting you out of business. Conglomerate. Anyway, no, a lot of towns and don't have drive-in theaters sticking around anymore. So Walmart has these giant parking lots. This could be cool. They put up the drive-in screen. You pull up. They're going to do a window service for snacks mm. as well. So you can have a real time going on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, something interesting, though, I read through this article. They put up a website. They're going to start it pretty soon. But I read through this article and somebody, the top commenter, says, wait a minute, why don't the movie theaters use their parking lots? <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, that's too easy. Yeah, why don't they? Well, they can't go grocery shopping afterwards. No, I guess, yeah. I guess there's no uh, multitasking available there. But that would seem like the thing to do. Movie theaters around here, and I get all movie theaters are not like this. There's a lot of movie theaters that are, you know, in, in in a setting where there's not a lot of parking or a big parking lot. Or maybe it's one of those concrete multi level parkade things. But around here, there's huge parking lots at the movie theaters. They could easily take one of the walls and project onto it mm-hmm. and put put a put a drive-in uh, screen and just transition everyone to the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. I don't know why it takes Walmart to do this, but maybe movie maybe some movie theaters are doing it. Time will tell, but in the meantime, Walmart is here to take care of you and and hey, let, let, just speaking to the people trapped at home, it look look it up in your local area, maybe even before Walmart does this, you may still have a drive-in theater hanging in there. And I know you're looking for something to do. Obviously, people need to get out of the house. You got to stay healthy. People going crazy indoors over here. This could be something you could do. It's a time. This is a suggestion I have. Mm -hmm. Check out the drive-in movie theater. Lucid Air. I can't believe I never heard of this company. Uh, But you know we got to have the electric vehicle news. And this company is looking to dethrone both Tesla and Porsche, their new Taycan model, they claim that they're going to do better on the aerodynamics. Now, aerodynamics, big, big component for the, uh, particularly the electric vehicle industry, but vehicle industry in general, aerodynamics, uh, drag. Yes. Because efficiency, I mean, you're pushing a large object through air. The more drag you got, I mean, you got to compensate for it. You got to put more energy into the movement then, whether it's electricity or gas. So the efficiency in 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 terms of uh, distance, range, and cost depends on a design that's going to cut through the air. Hmm. And this uh, Lucid Air claims to have cracked it and and beat out those other guys. And albeit not by a ton, but by a little bit enough enough so that it's a bit of an achievement because those other guys are really good at it. Mm-hmm. Te- Tesla and Porsche they they really uh, put a lot of effort into their into their uh, drag, into their aerodynamics. So it's measured in CD, drag coefficient, and the Model S is 0.23, the Taycan is 0.22, and this new Lucid Air is supposed to be 0.21. And I think a lot of it comes from the front end of the car. If you look at the front end of it, it's got that kind of like really curved nose looking thing to it. I mean, the inside of it looks pretty cool as well. I'm not sure about the rear end there, the the rear quarter. No, like behind the the rear seat door. Yeah, that portion right the there. Seat. But but you know what it gives you? That back seat, that crazy back seat on there. Look at that thing. Look at the recline and the. Well, look at that guy. <laughs> He's having. Look at the way the lights come out. Now, I have to admit, some people are skeptical if if this company's going to be able to deliver. It's been, there have been players in the space that promise all kinds of things and then don't really bring it. Now, I'm not suggesting that's the case. They, they're apparently testing, I think there's 40 units on the road at the moment. They want to get there. 
And I'm all for it. I'm all for different interpretations, futuristic vehicles. Look at that. That's a great image you just found right there. That's a showcase of that drag coefficient. Incredible stuff. So anyways, they, uh, they claim that because of this, they're going to be able to achieve 400 miles per charge, which makes them a, a, re a real big-time competitor for the Model S and 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 better than the EPA figures that came out for the Taycan, though that's kind of disputed because, well, for a number of reasons. But anyways, this should put them in the ballpark. And the only other thing I should mention is that they haven't, they're, they're not unveiling the entire thing until September 9th. So you got to wait a little bit for that. And also pricing, this is going to be a premium one. You probably thought, you probably knew that already. Unveiling what? The car? The production version. Production. Oh, this is still a concept. Well, you know how they have to like roll it out on a stage for it for people to feel like it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So As that that pr production version meaning like okay the 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 Cybertruck is not a production version. No. The the dimensions are actually going to change a little bit if once yeah, it hits the no highway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's a premium one. It's a hundred grand. So you probably realized that when you saw the interior. But it's going to be a Model S competitor, not a Model 3 competitor. So it won't be a mass market vehicle. They're going for the premium angle. And we got one more today on the EV front. But this goes back to what's happening in the land of EV trucks. And it's going to be a hot segment. I'm telling you that right now. Hummer is coming back. We talked about this around the time of the Super Bowl. I think the day of LeBron James do the commercial. Was oh, that? Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about it. But they didn't show off the vehicle. If you recall, it was just like the front grill, and they, they were very excited about it. Well, apparently now the thinking is that there's going to be two models. So an SUV model and then a truck model. The original Hummer was strictly an SUV, but we've seen this truck demand go through the roof. There's so many electric trucks popping up. And they're going to want a piece of that. And if you're already doing the SUV, why don't you just do the truck as well? And so anyway, since we haven't seen the entire thing yet, people have uh, become real excited about it. And we have some different interpretations emerging based on the small details that are available. And this is the latest render from an artist. His name is San Eboy Art. And he's got to look at what the truck variant of this upcoming Hummer, Hummer truck could look like. And he's basing it also on probably what some of the other GM trucks look like. Right? You, got, you, you might assume it will, it will share some components with that platform. It's possible. Maybe not. I mean, we'll, we'll have to obviously wait and see the exact details. Uh, the Built on the GM BT1 platform. Well, maybe that's exactly what that is. Let me look that up. GM... BT1 platform. Maybe this is the shared with the 1500 and the other pickup trucks. Upcoming. Oh, no. This is just strictly for electric vehicles. So that's something different. That's just strictly their electric vehicle platform. This EV is expected to develop around 1,000 horsepower and offer a range, once again, of 400 miles. So it's going to deliver the range you're looking for. And apparently it's going to have great off-road capabilities. But I'll tell you something, Will, man. It's getting real crowded out there. It's Everyone realizes now they see what happened with Tesla. They're all trying to get a piece of this electric vehicle game. And it's going to be hard for a guy like you to choose once you get your electric vehicle. Because now you got to consider all the traditional automakers and the things they're doing. And you got to consider Tesla. And, and you got to consider the upstart automakers mm -hmm. without much of a history who are getting the game like the last one I just mentioned. Rivian and Nikola. Holy moly, man. Yeah. Well, that's just trucks. Yeah. Just trucks. We got, in. in it seemed like in such a, a rapid sequence, we got the Cybertruck, the Rivian, the Nikola. We got the one, the Hummer that I just, we just talked about. There will be an all-electric F-150 coming soon. And then I almost forgot one that I really like. It's called, oh, why am I going to forget the name right now? This this might be one of my favorite. This might be my favorite one. Although, I mean, it remains. I will have to see it and try it myself because it's a it's a way different take. Oh, you're talking about the Polestar coming from Volvo, but there's this. Hold up, there's this electric truck with like an old school styling that really catches my attention. And somebody's watching this show and they're yelling, 
right now, the name of it. It is, this is it. I have the image. Every electric, look at this article. Every electric pickup truck currently on the horizon. The one I am talking about is the, wow, talk about suspense. Bolling, Bollinger or Bollinger B2. Type that in, Bollinger B2. Now, this is a rugged look. This one does not look like an electric vehicle. Whoa. It looks like an old school military type of Jeep look mm -hmm. to it. Click on the one with the doors off right there. I mean, that's cool. It's got some cool factor to it. It kind of, you know what it looks most like right now is the Jeep truck that just came out. Kind of looks like that. Hmm. This one looks like a real off road thing. You can click on the SUV model as well over there uh, in the middle. Yeah, that one. So you can get it as an SUV or a pickup truck. It's very boxy. Yep. It's a totally different interpretation than what the other guys are doing. But you can add that one to the mix as well. And if you get some interior photos of this thing, they left it so open in the middle, you can hit, you can fit huge cargo. Look at that. You can open up the back wall there. I know people were asking Elon if he could do that with the Cybertruck as well. You could just load massive things in there. Just right down the center here. Yeah, it gets me real fired up. I get fired up by weird things. We've already covered that <laughs> oh, many yeah. many times. Oh, and look at look at the glass roof on it as well. If you click, yeah, that one there. Oh, oh you went to the web page. Yeah, there you go. The whole roof is a big sheet of glass. Anyway, it's cool. Uh, who knows? They, oh, that one's expensive as well. I should mention, hundred twenty-five grand. So I don't know what you're gonna do for your next car, Will. Hmm. I'm I'm really stressed out on on your behalf. Mine as well. I think I already ordered the Cybertruck, though. Would it be crazy to have... Payment? Can I have that truck, too? Is that crazy? Yeah. Maybe I do a comparison. Cybertruck. Once all these electric vehicles start to ship, I'm excited at the prospect of putting more of them to the test. That could be cool. Mm. But you guys let me know in the comments, which styling do you like the best as far as electric trucks are concerned? Let's go with these three as your option. The Rivian, the Cybertruck, or that one we just showed you, the Bollinger. All right, Will, that's it for me. We did it. We done did it. As they say, fueled by coffee, fueled by caffeine. We worked our way through it. Did you have a coffee today? I did, yeah. You did? Well, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, well. <sighs>